if you're talking to someone who's listening to the podcast, what would you say that you hope that they got get, got out of it? Out of the podcast, mm-hmm. like as a whole, or yeah. out of like the episode? No, on, on, as a whole. Um, you touched on this a little bit earlier too. For me, uh, design ops is. And I think we've talked about this being kind of like the tagline for the podcast. It's about reducing friction and increasing engagement. Hello, welcome to the first episode of the Ops of Design. Today we talk about why we started the podcast. Red and I have been working on Design Ops for a couple of years now, and we felt it was a good time to get our ideas out there and share them with the world. You'll hear a little bit about what our perspective is about Design Ops and what benefits we hope people get out of this podcast. So I hope you enjoy it. You were saying that for today, we should probably have uh, the discussion be around kind of day zero yeah. and when you say day zero what do you what do you mean by that well for me i think it was more like you and i've worked together for shoot four and a half years now mm-hmm. um you know we've worked really close we've worked you know very distant our projects have kind of like circled back around time and time again mm-hmm to me, it was more around, like, why does this podcast exist? Mm-hmm. Where did this idea come from? Like, why is it important to you? Why is it important to me? Where do we want to go with it? Yeah, for sure. I think that's a great that, idea. That's kind of what I meant by, like, day zero. Not necessarily, like, day zero from, like... A company you know, business. From, yeah, from a business perspective. Yeah. Yeah, okay, But cool. it was more like, how did we get where we are? You're right. So... um. I guess let me share first, you know, being, being a designer for as long as I have now, you know, I, I think I didn't really appreciate or come to understand how much we can improve the, the process of design until you start doing it more and more. Like when you first come into the industry, um, at least from my perspective, you, you know, you have this, uh, this fairy tale depiction of what design's going to be when you get out of college and you think you're going to have the dream clients and you're going to you're going to be working with the coolest fonts and you're going to get to use all the cool stuff you see on Behance and Dribble or whatever was popular back in the day but then you realize <laughs> that you just need to knock stuff out and get it done because at the end of the day the there's business reasons why something needs to be done there's financial reasons there's emotions so um, your creativity and your freedom to create whatever you want isn't the highest priority at the end of the day. There's, there's bottom lines involved with it. And so when I started to realize that, um, I kind of had a mindset shift where I wasn't so much worried about creating the best award-winning designs anymore. I wanted to create things uh, that matter to the client, that matter to the business, but also do them as quickly and efficiently as possible. And, and for me, that's kind of at the core of, of design ops. And I think it even, to take it a step further, it's kind of selfish in the sense where 
I want to do this stuff as quickly as I can so I don't have to work that much, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I can spend more time with my family, so I could spend more time doing the things that I love uh, outside of, of design. But at the same time, making sure that I'm producing high-quality work for, for my team, for the, the clients. Um, and so I think there's a possibility for us to be able to work quickly work efficiently, create high-quality work, but not have to work that much. <laughs> That's a bit of a tongue twister there, but hopefully it makes sense. Yeah. How did that lead you to wanting to like start a podcast about design ops, though? I, I think from my perspective, the was just really getting our message out there. Um, I, I know you have, I have talked about this in the past, and it's something that I've realized, I would say fairly recently, um, I think I had a big problem of thinking what I knew was just common knowledge and everyone knew it. Um, I, I think that's just me being super humble and like we just talked about, right? Like I don't have an ego. I don't like to think myself as the best. I'm always learning and doing some, um, trying new things. Um, but I, I think I, I was wrong to assume that so many people understand design ops, uh, that a lot of people understand how to execute it. Um, and at the end of the day, that, they know the benefits that it can have in improving their work-life balance. And so when I, when I saw or heard instances of people were questioning things that I found so simple and straightforward, and then I asked you know, um, other colleagues, hey, do you understand this? Hey, have you heard about this? And it's completely foreign to them. I took a step back and I realized, okay, more people need to learn about this, not just because of my own, um, for my own benefit to, to get exposure or anything, but just to genuinely help people um, improve their design time or you know reduce their their time in design and, and get to do what they love more interesting so why a podcast versus like writing an articles or doing like youtube videos or something i think for that it's a it's a combination of a couple of things i think the nerdy part of me enjoys the whole audio recording and editing um you know i've tried to make music for so long that it never really got anywhere, so I feel okay. I did learn some things while trying to make music, so let's see if I can use it for making a podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, do you it, find that like some podcasts have inspired you to do this? I think so. I mean, just because you know, I've been listening to podcasts for years now. Um, I think it's pretty common, right? Like so many people say, "Hey, let's start a podcast." Hey, let's start a podcast. But I never really felt I had a good enough topic to start one on. You know, I've talked with some friends and family about just starting a, you know, a BS podcast. Let's just, you know, shoot the crap on, on a microphone. And that didn't really intrigue me. It's like, there's so many people doing that out there right now. Um, mm-hmm. Design ops, I felt obviously there's an opportunity because there, um, there isn't too many people doing it. I don't think the market's saturated. Um, at, but at the end of the day, I think you and I bring uh, some, some unique uh, perspective, not only different perspectives because of our region, our nationality, our culture, uh, but also the perspective that we have working together and seeing design ops grow in an organization from nothing to what it is now. Mm-hmm. So I think we definitely have some some valuable feedback to share with people. Yeah, no, no. I, I, I second a lot of the things that you said. Uh, for me, um, when social media started picking back, oh, it's still social media picked up you know, around the time of like Twitter and Facebook kind of getting off the ground in the early aughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I've, 
I think I've always been a bit of an early adopter. And I started like my own blog. Um, I had like a side blog with some friends that kind of, you know, it was something around like, you know, geek culture and stuff. Mm -hmm. And between like having a blog, writing articles, being very active on social media, um, it was kind of like, oh, hey, this is fun. You know, some way to like create content. You know, maybe there's a way to monetize it. Maybe there's a way of kind of, you know, having some fun with it. But I found that the stuff that I was really motivated about was something that you touched on, which was giving back. Mm-hmm. You know, for me, that started to plant the seeds of like, you know, how can I create something that actually gives back to something that I'm passionate about? Mm-hmm. Um, and I've thought about, you know, I've written a handful of articles on design ops over the years, and it, it's something that I've wanted to do more consistently. Um, I'd say probably at least three years ago, because I remember I was still in Austin when I was looking into it. Uh, I wanted to kind of get back more into blogging, specifically around stuff that was going on design. I was really passionate. felt like I had, like you said, uh, a perspective and some experience to add to the conversation to kind of help people enrich their careers. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, conversational kind of like um, thought process is something that's always made a lot more sense. So I had looked into <laughs> things like dragon dictation. I was like, I don't want to sit there and try to write an article, you know, break it down into an outline, fill out the outline, you know, figure out the images. Like there's this whole process of kind of organic thought for me that's an organic communication that just feels more natural than a curated sort of article. Like I appreciate articles, but I was thinking like, how can I write an article just by talking? Mm-hmm. So podcasting's kind of always been in the back of my mind. I just never really put the two together. And it wasn't until you reached out to me and you're like, hey, what do you think about this? I was like, yes, let's do this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, and like you said, there's a, there's a, um, there's a f- fair amount of, content i think that exists in the design space related to design ops but there's only one other podcast that i'm aware of that does anything around like design ops Mm -hmm. and to your point like our perspectives on seeing design ops come from almost nothing to being more organized and actually providing value to the business and to ultimately like to me i think it's like it's providing value to business which is really important but it's also providing value to people Mm-hmm. You know, the people that we work with. Right. So some way to be able to kind of stream of consciousness and conversation, get the thoughts out of my head down into virtual paper to some extent in the form of a podcast um, sounded like it was something really interesting. I agree with you. And I think I think another big factor, you know, I touched on speed and efficiency and doing things quickly. Um, I think podcasting allows us to get those thoughts out of our minds and out into the world faster than, you know, like you said, writing a blog or writing our medium articles, et cetera. Cause you know, you have to plan your outline, you, you write your drafts, you edit it. And you know, that, that process takes time. Whereas recording this podcast, we just share our thoughts. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. You know, we're speaking, so there's mm-hmm. not that much editing that's involved with it. But I think even more important than that, we're both family men. You know, we have two kids, we have a wife, our time is very valuable. And so podcasting allows us to, to get these thoughts out much quicker than 
being glued to the to the computer screen typing you know for hours a day yeah yeah no that's actually a fair point um there's something i think when you and i were testing this out a few weeks ago and i got to listen to uh the recording that you had done of us just kind of you know spitballing and conversational sort of stuff it, it feels so much more authentic mm-hmm. it's it's storytelling to some extent and like you i think you mentioned something to the effect of it's far less edited yep. than you would like when you have an article like it's been edited and re-edited and re-edited <laughs> and re-edited it in a lot of cases it doesn't feel like a conversation yeah and no listening to our you know our test kind of podcast um like i was it was fun it was fun to hear it and i and it reminded me how much i enjoyed listening to podcasts back you know a few years back when i was still in austin i'm glad you said that because i had that same feeling too like after i recorded it i listened to it because my my one of my um, habits is listening to a podcast to help me go to sleep and um, that night i put it on and listened to it and i was engaged the whole time and i you know i knew what we talked about right and i knew i wasn't yeah. going to learn anything but just listening back to it was was uh, enjoyable for me like you said and so if we can make design ops enjoyable for people i think that would be great and hopefully they, they get something out of it from us what yeah, what what we little sure. we know and <laughs> or what we still have to learn <laughs> well and i think that's the other part of this too is um i i've considered myself a bit of a connector mm-hmm. for a long time um in any of the places that i've worked i tend to know all of the people or the vast majority of the people you know within like a degree or two of separation mm-hmm. and and personally like hey i know who you are i know who your kids are uh, i know when your birthday is i know what you like to do in your off time you know to me it's been important to kind of understand like that level of like a person on that uh the human side of things mm-hmm. um and when i meet people you know at conferences like for me conferences are great because i get to meet new people and i've i've learned over the years that conferences for me are far more about the networking side of things than it is a lot of times on the educational side of things like i'll learn stuff and i'll bring insights back uh and apply insights but i found that the things that are more meaningful to me are connecting with people and uh being in the design community and the design ops community i've had that ability to connect with people um, I've had the opportunity to connect with people, I should say. And it's like, oh, hey, you know, I go to an Envision uh, Design Leadership Forum dinner, and I meet a handful of folks. Um, one of them happens to be Salome. That's cool. Um, that we met at one of the DLF dinners and had a great conversation. And, I mean, you know, we always have really good conversations. Um, and to me, it's like over the past three years kind of working in this role, um, at design ops conferences at you know dlf uh things on slack like i've just been able to connect with people on that personal level that human level and just be like hey i care about you as a person i care about what you have as experience you know let's let's stay in touch and being able to have that i feel like it also brings a level of like realism to like conversations it's like oh we could have a guest person someone that neither one of us has talked to Mm -hmm. and if we do a good job with interviewing 
it probably would feel organic. Right. But having a personal connection with somebody, I feel, takes that to the next level. No, for sure. It I makes agree. that conversation feel a lot more authentic. So that's kind of where I'm excited. It's like you and I put together a list of folks that we know, and it was like, oh, wow, there's a lot of people that we well, can kind of bring and talk to. Let's be honest here. You put the list together. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I think that's the good thing about our dynamic. You know, like you mentioned, you like to network. You like to meet people. Um, I'm not like some grumpy, grouch person who sits in the corner. You know, I know how to. Yeah, you are. And, <laughs> I know how to handle myself in social situations. Um, I'm just not that person who will walk up to you and just spark up a conversation. I think yeah. um, something I'm trying to be better at, but um, I'm in my head a lot. I'm always thinking ideas or lunch, dinner, whatever. Um, and so having you be that person to do that is going to be great, where I'm more like tactical, like building the things that, that we talk about or trying out the things that, that we talk about. Um, I don't know. I just think you know, we, we bring two different perspectives, but they kind of blend perfectly. Yeah. And I also think that we bring different strengths to the table too. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I, 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 to me, the exciting parts of this are being able to give back to not only the design ops community, but the design community as a whole. Like, mm -hmm. I want the podcast to be approachable. Mm-hmm. You know, I want it to feel like, hey, I don't have a design ops title or design ops role, but I can still leverage the content that's in these podcasts so that I can bring it back to my team and help with efficiency. You know, mm -hmm. there's also a part of it that I'm excited about, which is getting to have these kinds of conversations around topics with some of these colleagues and friends that I have in the industry mm -hmm. and understand like how they're solving problems, you know, what how what challenges they've faced how they've you know succeeded or not succeeded in certain things um so there's there's a lot of things that are really exciting the the giving back the connecting the chatting with folks but having it be from kind of an authentic sort of conversational perspective like that yeah yeah i mean that kind of leads me to the question you may have answered it a little bit but um if you're talking to someone who's listening to the podcast what would you say that you hope that they got get, got out of it? Out of the podcast, mm -hmm. like as a whole, or yeah. out of like the episode? No, on, on, as a whole. Um, you touched on this a little bit earlier too. For me, uh, design ops is, and I think we've talked about this being kind of like the tagline for the podcast. It's about reducing friction and increasing engagement. Mm -hmm. And for me. Having a developer background, um, one of my early mentors had really reinforced this idea of performance-mindedness uh, in like development. And it was like, hey, you can build this, and sometimes you can build this faster. And sometimes it's faster, it's smarter, it uses less resources, it can respond quicker, like, and there's business value there. And a lot of times, you know, when you're when you're coding stuff, it's like, oh, I got it to work. And then at some point down the road, if you gain that perspective or have that value, all of a sudden you come back to it and you say, oh, I can actually make this better. And to me, that was one of the things I was thinking about today was uh, when I was running. It was like, there's a big part of design ops, which is like, how do I make things better for my teammates 
and their partners. Yeah. And what I would want people to kind of walk away from this is learning some way to improve either their day-to-day or their team's day-to-day. Mm-hmm. Even if it's at a very like small level, like, hey, I made one change and it improved um, our engagement or it reduced friction between us. That's that's really where I think I want to hear people gaining value from the podcast. Yeah, I mean, I would echo most of that as well. I think ultimately for me, give being able to give back whatever knowledge and experience we have, um, that's you know, that's awesome, and that's something that I want to do. But I just hope people, especially in these times, you know, with the pandemic and everything else that's going on. Um, that people can take whatever design ops can give them and improve their work-life balance. Maybe get more yeah. in on the life side versus work side. No, that's actually a really good point. I, I, I would take it even a step further. Mm-hmm. You know, um, Dave Maloof and I have had conversations about this around you know, the percentage of time that we spend actually designing. Mm, yes. Um, so it's like, hey, you know, maybe you're doing eight hours in a day. And if you were to sit down and be real with yourself, like how much time are you actually spending designing things? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and if you're spending less than 50% of your time designing things, like you have a tremendous opportunity for design ops. For sure. Because all that stuff that you're doing that isn't design is operations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Planning, the tweaking, the library building, the meeting, the you know, the number of different things that kind of like show up in those situations. Yeah. So how do you get those kind of either automated, you know, or wrapped up in a template so that folks aren't having to think about it every single time that situation pops up again. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head there. Um, and in, as I mentioned before, and I, I tell this to people quite often, like I don't think pixel pushing is as important or as uh, holy as a lot of people tend to think. Um, I'm of the mindset that prototypes and pixels are, you throw them away. Um, the real work or the not the real, but the most important work, in my opinion, is, like you said, everything you do outside of the pixel pushing, you know, the meetings, the, the conversations with users, the, the understanding the business goals, looking at things strategically. Um, that is where your true value of, as a designer will shine, not so much can you make an awesome UI and can you build an 84-page <laughs> prototype um, <laughs> You know, Most people can do it, but you're not going to get a high praises for doing that kind of work. And that's, yeah. a, that's kind of a mind shift that I had recently. Something that actually scared me into thinking that is I forgot who said it, but someone said that if you want to be a designer, you need to really think more strategically and be more business focused because at the end of the day, mm-hmm. UI design is going to be automated. You're, you're not going to, you know, there's going to be a future where people are just going to speak and a prototype will come up and it's going to look excellent like someone on Dribble made it. But mm-hmm. this computer, um, you know, whatever automation program exists, it's not going to understand how to talk to customers, to listen to them, to gather their feedback, to talk to PMs, to talk to VPs, understand what business problems they have or what are they trying to solve. 
And so I think operations helps give you more time to focus on that versus, like I said, the pixel pushing. Again, that's kind of just one perspective, but and that's only because that's what I'm doing personally and what I'm trying to, to improve. No, I, I completely agree with you. I think when you and I first met, you know, a number of years ago, um, you had mentioned looking into um, like UI development. You're mm-hmm. like, hey, I feel like I'm a pretty solid designer. I was thinking about like, how do I grow? Um, you know, I was thinking about actually getting into coding. You know, I've heard a lot of discussions around, oh, designers should learn how to code. And I was like, I think there's some value to that. Mm-hmm. Um, but if I were to recommend where you invest your time in, it's learning the business, the PM mm-hmm. side of things. Yep. Because as a designer, being able to speak to the value of what you do from a business perspective using business terminology, like here's the ROI, here's the you know the cost reduction, here's the increase in customer satisfaction. When you're able to speak that way, you can you can work with executives, you can work with the business in a much different way and have a greater impact. It's beyond just like, oh, hey, our customers are happier. It's not only your customers are happier, but the business is happier. Mm-hmm. The business is happier. They're more willing to want to invest in the work that you're doing. Exactly. And then, you know, that, that trickles down to you being compensated better. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, the true heart of what we do most of, most of the things. Yeah. And, and you know, it's... Um, That's one of the things that I've realized over the years is that when you start in design, you are going to be pixel pushing. Yep. And that's okay. Like mm-hmm. you're getting, you're, you're earning, you know, earning your wings, getting your chops, whatever metaphor you want to use. Yeah. Um, you have to understand like what makes good design. And then after that, you have to understand the strategy that goes into that. And that takes some time. You know, yeah. you, don't, it, you don't see, you know, junior designers working in heavy, like cross-functional engagements with like higher leadership in strategic sort of discussions. Like that's just way out of their league in a lot of cases. They can grow to that. But I think that's part of the role of folks like, you know, yourself where you've got the experience and you're working with junior folks to kind of help them see that. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. All this pixel pushing, you know, is helpful, but to your point, a lot of times it's 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 throwaway stuff. Yeah. It's like, yeah, this this is telling a story. This is getting us aligned. This is building towards a strategy that you have some, you know, skin in the game about. It's got your 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 DNA mixed into it. Yeah, it's an excellent point. And I like what you said. At the end of the day, you know, there is a moment in your career where you do have to be the pixel pusher, um, and at the same time. You know, as we talked about before we started, you know, I showed you that I, I enjoy building UIs, right? Like, I like designing. I like, I like you know, the whole process of, you know, choosing colors and, and stylizing elements and whatnot. But that's something that I do on my free time because I'm weird like that. <laughs> when it comes to my day job, you know, when I clock in, I'm not doing the, the pixels and the prototyping because I love the designs that I'm doing. I'm doing them because... I'm trying to make sure I'm meeting the needs of what my PMs are asking, and I'm trying to make sure that our users find it usable and are going to be able to achieve the goals that they're trying to achieve using our software. And yeah. so for me, there's a distinct difference. Um, 
and you know coming around full circle that I that's why I'm so passionate about design ops and what we do so mm-hmm. I can reduce the time it takes to get all that done so I can then yep. go and do what I love so you can focus on more important things yeah yeah exactly. I mean it's one of the one of the huge values of design systems you mm-hmm. know which to me kind of falls under the umbrella of design ops it's it's a tool of design operations you know helping us to reduce that friction and allow us to focus on more important things like strategy or cross-functional collaboration and alignment or, you know, helping the business be more effective or, you know, whatever the case may be is, um, which is interesting because as we're talking through this, um, another thought came to my mind, like why, why the podcast, but more importantly, like why design ops for mm-hmm. me has become something that like I'm really passionate about. Um, I found that when I started understanding user-centered design, well, gosh, <laughs> over a decade ago or whatever it was, mm-hmm. that the, the, the big selling point to me was that I knew that there was a way that the work I was doing was going to positively impact people's lives mm-hmm. because I was working with them to help either co-create or validate with them that we weren't building something in a vacuum and forcing it on them and then either refusing it or, you know, revolting against it or begrudgingly using it. You know, there was a, a genuine appreciation for the work that I was doing because at the end of the day, you know, somebody that works in Georgia in a data center is going to be happier or they're going to be less stressed. So design's always kind of had that sort of like sweet spot in my heart, I guess, to some extent, knowing that the work is meaningful. Mm-hmm. You know, when we're doing what we're doing and we're doing it from a good place, you know, it, it is improving people's lives. Um, and I found that design ops was the same thing for me, but even closer to home because ultimately design ops for me is solving the problems that we have as designers that we have as an organization that we has have as a team so same problem solving skills mm-hmm. same prototyping and lean sort of iteration and cross-functional collaboration for problem solving like it's all in there it's the same exact thing it's just the users are the people i work with every day yep so <laughs> To me, all of a sudden, like it got way closer to home seeing the fact of like, oh, the work that I'm doing as a designer is actually improving the lives of the people I work with every day. It's making things easier for them. They're happier. They're able to spend time, more time on the things that they want to spend time on. Um, that to me was like galvanizing. That was what put it all together for you. Yeah. That's pretty awesome. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. I had a For question sure. about uh, if when you look back on your career, do you think there was times where you were doing design ops, but you didn't even realize it at the time? Oh, totally. Oh, totally. Yeah. The first design system, uh, even before it was called a design system, mm-hmm. we were working on, uh, let's see, I was working in an organization that had several products, um, some of them through acquisition. And they all looked wildly different, but we had this experience and and this is an enterprise sort of thing. It isn't necessarily a consumer thing, but it it might translate Um, where we had 
customers or users that were having to work in multiple products. So you had this like wildly different sort of like product experience in something that somebody was having to be in, you know, day to day. So it was like, oh, I've got something that looks like it was built in like 1998 and something that, you know, maybe 2006. <laughs> <laughs> um, built in completely different tech, have completely different looks and feel, you know, have like completely different performance ex experiences. Um, but ultimately, like they have to work in both of them. So at that time, you know, the team that I was helping uh, build, I uh, kind of brought us together and was like, you know, we should be like building things in the same sorts of ways. We should be designing things in the same sorts of ways. We should be leveraging the similar resources that we were looking at. Um, we were still using fireworks at the time to build prototypes. Oh, fireworks. I remember that. <laughs> and yeah, not in, no, no. This was like uh, uh, me and Dreamweaver don't have good ties. So, <laughs> <laughs> but you know, at the time, I was looking at that 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 the experience. It's like, how can we work smarter? Mm -hmm. How can we work better? How can we stop recreating the wheel and stop wasting each other's time? Yep. Um, and how can we learn from this? How can we build upon it? You know, and then I. Um, had a couple of really good like UI colleagues and I was like, let's like, how can we translate the stuff that we're doing design into code so that an engineer can pick it up and just like drop it in. Mm -hmm. And this was around the time I think Brad Frost's um, atomic design book had come out mm -hmm. and I was like, yes, somebody's like, like documented this, this concept. Mm -hmm. So it, it was, it wasn't so much of just like, you know, um, like vaporware that was in my head. It was like, there's tangible evidence of other people that are out there doing this. So I started working with these engineers and we started getting kind of like a, a design system off the ground. Um, but I've always kind of looked at like, what am I doing and how can I do it better? How can I do it smarter? How can I do it faster? So that I'm not having to spend a bunch of time like hunting for something, recreating something or throwing away something I, you know i know we've talked about sometimes like the stuff we do is just like throw away but like how can i make sure that the stuff that we do the important stuff isn't having to be thrown away right you know that rework sort of aspect so for me like that cross-functional alignment's always been something that's been really important like how do i work with an engineer so that we're both on the same page so that when they are working with the designs that i've created there isn't this like, oh, we have to rethink this entire thing. And to me, that's a whole nother level of this that we're not even talking about yet. True. Yeah, that's an excellent point. And, you know, I, I think when I look back, uh, probably around the same time, what, 11, 12, 2013, somewhere around that time, um, I was making my transition more to UI and UX, or as before, I was more web and graphic designer. Um, but like you mentioned, as I started to engage more with engineers and understanding how they build the products and put them together and how how long it took them to put them together affected the business, I started to think more about efficiencies and how I can speed up not only my process but my interactions with them. And mm -hmm. for me, that was the main driver behind building my first style guide at the company I was at at the time. Um, yeah. And just like you know, we're doing now with... Um, with where we work today, how 
much of my involvement in design ops is on my own time. It was kind of the similar situation. I didn't have time allotted to put the style guide together or to build the components in HTML and CSS so then the you know developers could then take it. It was on my own out of my own, you know, effort and my own time. But I I felt that the value was greater. Um and I wanted to achieve that same goal where we can have much better efficiency between the team. Um, and not only that, just create more camaraderie. I, I felt that a lot of the times before then, you know, there was that whole notion about just throwing designs over the fence and expecting developers to make it exactly how you have it and um, you know, <laughs> thinking that they're going to be able to do everything that you put together when reality is, you know, they're not always going to be able to build it exactly how you envision it. So, when you can work with them more, you start to understand better what can and can't be done, which ultimately saves everybody time. So I was along those same boats. Uh, I was along the same lines and in that same boat as you. Saves time, builds trust, builds camaraderie, builds, you know, um, like a team. Yeah, it, it's kind of a lot of what I was thinking about when I was mentioning what I was talking about uh, uh, I was running earlier it's like for me thinking about design ops is like how do I make this parenthetically better for you know the teams or my teams or our teams um, and the their partners mm -hmm. you know the people that they work with yeah. um, and I think that's where you know design ops has been really focused on how do we get our house in order for the past few years? And I feel like now it's starting to mature to a new kind of level of how do we work cross-functionally more effectively? And I'm not saying that there aren't folks that were already thinking about this. It's right. just I feel like the, the industry mindset within design ops is starting to shift to that now. Where mm -hmm. it's like, hey, we've got our tools, we've got our practices, we have our mindsets, we have our templates, we have you know, most of our well-oiled machine on our side. Um, mm -hmm. how, are, how are these experiences, artifacts, interacting with our partners, you know, our engineers and PMs or marketers or whatever it happens to be? You know, is it making sense? Is it slowing things down for them? Like, how do we become a better partner? And I think that's where I'm excited to see the next, like, two or three years, like how Design Ops continues to mature and evolve, is that's where it's going to go to. It's going to go to this next level of like, how does design become a better partner within that sort of like EBD relationship? Mm -hmm. Your 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 comment just made me think about something else. You know, we talked about you know why we want to do a podcast. We talked about how we don't feel that there's much. Um, I don't want to say competition because we're not competing with anybody. Like, um, there's just not a lot of resources for people to get insights into design ops. And I think us sharing our story is going to help people kind of take a glimpse into what some organizations are facing. Like it's one thing you, you can read medium posts, you can read things about how companies are trying to improve efficiencies or implement design ops into the organizations. But when you hear people talk about it and you kind of, you can either sense their emotions or you can hear you can hear it from a perspective that you never thought of before. I think if we right. have more of that, it would be even better. And especially in the enterprise realm, it just feels like this um, there's like this shadow design going on that a lot of people don't realize. 
and hopefully speaking to it will encourage not only more people to to open up and share their stories but to inspire others whether they get something directly from us from what we said like something tactical go do xyz or they could disagree with us but they hear us make a comment and that sparks an idea in their head that can lead them down a different path yeah no totally uh, I, I i i think there's also you know the stuff that we talk about some stuff may be relatable some of it may not be but right. the things that are relatable like someone's like oh i'm facing this problem right now in my team or at my organization or i just figured out how to solve this you know whatever the case may be is it, and I, I think there's that sort of like shared common human experience to some extent that makes it relatable where it's like oh yeah i'm not the only one that's facing this yep or not only am I not the only one that's facing this, but this is actually a real problem that other people are talking about and trying to solve or have solved. And all of a sudden it's like, you know, we may be on a given topic and maybe a good chunk of it, people are just like, oh, yeah, that's cool. You know, doesn't make a whole lot of sense in my organization. All of a sudden we kind of like, you know, walk down a branch of some conversation and all of a sudden they're like, whoa, Yes, this is this is it. This is exactly what I'm talking <laughs> about. And to me, it's like those little moments where somebody's able to kind of capture some insight. Like I'm not expecting all of this to be valuable for everyone, <laughs> yeah. but I'm hoping that little nuggets of insights will be valuable to certain people at certain times or whatever's going on in their career and their experience. And they can go, oh, okay, got it. Now here's where I can go with this. Totally agree. And that happens to me sometimes. And when I'm listening to podcasts, you know, there's, uh, I hear something that I don't agree with or I don't like or I don't understand. But, you know, you have those little nuggets of a comment someone made or they share a link or something that you find super valuable. And being able to interact with people that way, I think it's going to be pretty awesome to think about. Being able to, yeah. to share our story and ultimately help others. As much as we can. Well, yeah, and share other people's stories too. I think that's yeah, one for of the sure. things <laughs> that I'm super excited about. It's like, yeah, we have our experience and we have our perspectives and the way that we think about things and solve things. But bringing in other people adds additional perspectives and ideas or solutions to kind of the, the place because ultimately that's what we're trying to do. Is we're, um, you know, some people uh, have written about this, and I appreciate the fact that they've done it. It's like. Design ops is different from you know organization to organization. Mm -hmm. Like high level, we're solving similar kinds of problems, but the the needs of the organization are going to be unique, and yeah. the solutions and the approach and the perspective are going to be unique to those 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 problems and needs. So there isn't one size fits all design ops. Like you oh, should do sure. these things. You should start from here, sort of situation because someone may be really struggling with some other area and for you to tell them to go build a design system that might not make sense to them. Right. And then on the tactical side, right? Like, um, um, not heads, but the resources, right? How many people are on the team? What tools do they have at their disposal? Are they able yeah. to purchase more tools? Uh, it's, it's, it, there's so many variables at play. It's interesting when you think about it, that it right. could, the outcome of design apps can be drastically different from one organization to the next. Sure. Yeah, I think fundamentally there's things that are similar, but yeah, to your point, it's like, you know, if you're a small team of like three or four, 
the discussions of like tooling maybe are you know insignificant mm-hmm. whereas an organization of you know 100 plus designers like their their needs are different exactly yeah closing this whole thing out uh i guess i just want to touch back on like why we're doing this to me like it's it's about giving back to the community it's about sharing our experience and potential solutions as well as you know bringing um i I think also bringing some idea that like folks aren't alone like the problem that you're facing is probably a problem that a lot of people are facing and hopefully like we could you know touch on it and give some perspective on like how to potentially solve it or start solving it or maybe even just like what to avoid like don't go down this path (laughs) yeah (laughs) no that's that's good to hear i mean i agree with everything you said um just to offer a different perspective i'd say the the one area of me that wants to do this podcast um, again we talked about the the um, the market saturation for a design ops podcast, you know, it's it's not com- it's not it doesn't exist as as compared to other topics. But there is a bit of selfish reasons in me because um, ultimately I want to create things and I want to make things that people find either enjoyable or useful. Um, yep. And creating this podcast would 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 be a medium for me to do that, sharing um, sharing my thoughts, my perspectives, whether right or wrong. At least they're out there in the open and ultimately hopefully people can learn from it or they can shoot me a message on twitter saying telling me i suck either way (laughs) i'll take it all Um, but i I think we're on the same page there cool awesome thanks for thanks for getting us started on this for Uh, sure looking forward to many more of these the future's bright the future's very bright let's get past covid let's get past these elections and focus on the important stuff like ops and spending time with our families <laughs> yeah for sure and that concludes today's episode let us know what you think on instagram you can hit us up at the ops of design we'd love to hear your feedback and share any comments you have about today's episode in the next episode we talk about what design ops is We share some of our own experiences and also things that we've learned from other experts in the field. So look forward to catching you then. Until next time, take care.